Hey, Pastor John Aiken here. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Faith Center podcast. We hope today's teaching will awaken and equip you to live out your God-given purpose. Enjoy. Well, praise the Lord. Are you glad you came to church so far? You guys are amazing people. Um, I want to try to do something. Uh, We've been talking about kingdom realities, and I didn't get nearly, I mean, and this is always true of me, I never get finished with what's on my heart to share. Uh, But today, or last week, we talked about love, being motivated by love, having the reality of the love of God, and then being love-motivated in our life. And you can go back and and listen to that. Uh, I want you to open your Bible to Revelation chapter 2. We're gonna, that's where we're going to start. And before I even share um, a, a couple things that I think God is even saying as we, as we, as we start with this today, um, I want to remind you that last week we read in Ephesians chapter 3. So open your Bible to Revelation chapter 2. Last week we read in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 3 where it talked about the love of God, that you would, that you would know the love of God. And Paul wrote this letter through the Holy Spirit to the church of Ephesus. And he wrote this letter telling them that they would know the love of God, the height, the the depth, the width, the breadth of the love of God. And knowing that love surpasses knowledge. So sometimes when you're going through a set of circumstances and you don't know why this is happening to me, or you don't know what God is doing or what is the devil doing, you don't even know what you're doing, you're going through some unknowns. You're going through a season of different areas that are unknowns. The one thing you have to guard and what Paul was speaking by, the Holy Spirit to the church in Ephesus that the thing that must be motivating and dominating your life, especially when you're going through some unknowns, is never let go of what you do know about the love of God. We should always grow in our knowledge of the love of God, and we can continually grow in that, but don't let what you don't know rob from you what you do know. Because knowing that God loves you when it feels like he doesn't, when it looks like he doesn't, knowing you are loved is vital to a foundation of stability to position you to receive from God in the middle of a time or a season when you don't know what he's doing. He's inviting you. He's not holding, he's not hiding things from you. He's hiding things for you. For you to follow him in relationship that's always motivated by love. That I know God loves me, so I will not complain. I know God loves me, so I will not retreat. I know God loves me, so I will not give up. I know God loves me. I don't know what's happening here. I don't know why they're doing that. I don't know why this is happening. I don't know a number of things, but I do know this. That God loves me and I'm in love with him. So I want to talk about that a little bit today. But where I want to start is, so Paul, through the Holy Spirit, wrote that letter in Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, a letter to the church in Ephesus, and then then a number of years later, uh, through the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 2, what we see is Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords and head of the church, is writing a letter to that same church. And let's look at what he says to them. Revelation chapter 2, starting at verse 1, when you got it, say got it. 
to the angel of the church of Ephesus. Write these things, says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works. Some of y'all need to underline that. Your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. And you have persevered uh, and have patience and you have, uh, and you have labored for my name's sake. So far it's all good. And have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you. Before we even go any further, I'm so thankful that we serve a God who loves us so much that he will confront us and correct us and say, here's what you're doing. This is what he's saying. Here's who I am. Here's, I know what's going on. I know your works. See, sometimes we judge ourselves by our intentions, but other people by their actions. And what he's saying is, I know your actions. I know your works. And he loves you enough, he loves me enough to say, here's what you're doing well. I honor and value that. But here's something I want to talk to you about. If you're not correctable, you're already in trouble. Some people can be corrected, mature people can be corrected by a conversation. Stop doing that. Immature people can only be corrected by consequences. So verse 4, nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Notice it's remember in order to repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which that's, that's a whole other teaching, which I also hate. But he who, has ears, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes. Man, that's a present tense victory word. Like that, that word is nikeo, which means I am overcoming. And is anybody in this room overcoming? I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Man, there's so much stuff that I want to say. I believe the Lord is wanting to rekindle a fire, a flame in our hearts. Not to pursue a new thing, not to get, not to like go after some deeper, newer, fresher thing. We need a new word from God. I think through a spirit of remembrance, what we need is a fresh passion to an old word from God. That he would light a fire in us that maybe we've gotten too familiar and our familiarity with things that we think we know stuff. You know how you read a certain scripture? Oh, I already know that. Well, once you, once you make that decision, you think, oh, you don't need to tell me somebody's talking to you or speaking to you or, or God is, is even speaking to you and they say a phrase that you've heard before. Oh, I know that. Have you ever heard your kids be like, I already know that? Okay, great, but you ain't doing it. I ain't talking about what you know. I'm talking about what are you doing? See, your actions reveal your knowledge more than your conversations do. 
And you don't know a thing unless you do a thing. And so what I sense God is wanting to do and why I took an extra week to just talk about this being motivated by love. Being motivated by love, that we would be a people who would love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. And not love the world, neither the things in the world. But we would love God with all of our heart, that his love would be so motivating in our life. That his love would be so transforming in our life. I mean, is there anything greater than the love of God? But functionally, we put all kinds of other stuff before that. And I just see the Holy Spirit igniting a fire in those who are willing. That you have burned out. That you are, you are, um, you are no longer bright. You are no longer burning. And I think about the men on the road to Emmaus, the disciples of Christ in Luke 24, who were walking with Jesus, and he was talking to them about the Scriptures, and they said, Did our heart not burn within us? When's the last time you were in your house with an open Bible or an open app reading the Bible, and the, and the presence and passion and love of God was burning in you? Some of us in this room even come to times when we're in worship and we know the song, we know the stuff, and we're already kind of just in our routine. And so we're not even engaging with all of our heart in worship to bless the Lord. We've just learned how to either do church or do whatever, and we have enough Jesus so that we convince ourselves we're going to heaven when we die, but we're not on fire. Now we get on fire for other stuff. You get on fire when it's time to make a business deal. You get on fire when it's time to make a little money. You get on fire when it's time to go to a party. You get on fire when it's time to go hang out with your friends. You start drinking this, start doing that, start smoking this, start whatever. Now, I ain't talking about you, but I'm talking about somebody you know. We get on fire for, for these different things and our hearts burn with passion for all this stuff. And then it's like, okay, yeah, but, and Jesus. There's no and Jesus. It's Jesus. And that his love, I just pray there'd be an, an, an igniting and a fanning into flame of that fire of the Lord in our life that we love him. Because on your worst day, your darkest day, when you don't know what is happening, you don't know why it's happening, the thing that will sustain you in the darkness, in the coldness, is the fiery love of the Lord. And that's just what I pray happens, that we are reminded about our first love. And here's what he, what he says, these little bullet points here I want you to see, is the word left. That word left means you left your first love. You walked away from it, means you neglected it, you abandoned it, and you, fors you forsook the Lord. It's forsaking. It's you walking away from the Lord. Now, we serve a God who says to us, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So the one who says to us, I will never leave you nor forsake you, is forsaken by his people all the time. What do you leave Jesus for? I'm not saying that to judge. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that to, 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 to beat you up. I'm saying, no, really think about it. Like, what are the things, what are the people, places, and things that cause you to leave your first love? You got to know those things. You got to identify them. 
and be like, no, 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 no. I love the Lord more than I love this. I love the Lord more than I love them. I love the Lord more than I love that. I love the Lord. And letting that fire come back in you, that word first is foremost, most important, and number one. That word fallen from where you have fallen is, remember from where you have fallen is to descend, meaning step down to fall. And some of you today are not all the way at the bottom, but you are descending that way. There are people in this room that you are descending by your decisions. You are descending by your attitude. You have not fallen, you have not fallen, but you are falling. And some of you in the room are ascending in your walk with God. You're coming up. You're the kingdom George Jefferson moving on up. You're coming up and you know he's inviting. You sense that. And others in the room are maybe in between. You, you One day you kind of descend and maybe you come and you ascend. And maybe Sunday you ascend and then Monday you descend. And you're double-minded back and forth. And what I want to see happen when I'm praying is there is this ascending, not descending. That we're rising, not falling. That we're not leaving. We're not neglecting. We're not forsaking the Lord. But in these areas of our life, we're evaluating ourselves. Let me to say it this way and I'm telling you let me just say it this way I think the Lord gives me a passion that's in direct relation to your potential so when I'm bold and passionate I'm not angry my mama sometimes watches it mom I'm not angry I'm a happy person but the reason I get passionate and bold is because I'm speaking to the things that are robbing your potential in Christ and sometimes you need somebody just to wake you up. And so stop questioning God. This is for somebody in here. In your self-righteous arrogance and ignorance, stop questioning God and start questioning you. God is not the one with the problem. But when you have self-examination to say, you know, I am where I am because of me. And I'm not where I should be because of me. It's not my mama's fault, not my daddy's fault, not my spouse's fault. It's my fault. Now, it's not my fault to where I take blame and shame. I don't want you to take blame and shame. What I do want you to do between your history and your destiny is to take responsibility to go forward in the Lord. And to do that motivated by love. Not just, well, I think I should do this, or God wants me to do this, or somebody else has this expectation on me. No, we do it with passionate fire for for our, our love relationship with Jesus. And so the two questions there is, who is your foremost and most important and number one love? And then who is your foremost, most important, and number one, or what are your foremost, most important, and number one works? Who, who are, who are your, who's your number one love? Who's first in your life? And what are your first works? We need to ask ourselves these questions. Well, how do I know that? Who do I think about first? And what do I do first? Those are my first works. Those are my first love. What do I run to? Who do I run to? What do I do? 
What do I look to do? What do I measure myself by? My, do, do I see myself as successful or a failure based on what works? What, what standard? What metrics? What thing am I using to evaluate the health and success of my life? You've got to ask those questions if you want to get back to remembering your first Love, Because here's the thing, when your life is in sync with your first love, you are unstoppable. When your life, when you and your life is in sync with the love of God and you know who he is, you know who you are in him and who he is in you, and you know you are loved by God and you are motivated by his love, there is a purity in your life to obey the Lord and, and walk with the Lord. The love of God never motivates you to sin. Never motivate you to sin. Always motivate you to glorify him, to make his name known, to represent him well. And you and your family and your business and your sports and everything you touch in your life should be a fragrance or should be filled with this fragrance of the love of God. Because when you align your life in the love of God and you come back to your first love and your first works, I'm telling you, you will still have problems, you will still have pain, you will still have suffering, you will still have all that, all that comes in seasons. We walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but we don't walk to it. And he walks with us and he prepares a table for us. So I'm looking for provision in the middle of scarcity. I'm looking for peace in the middle of the storm. I'm looking for hope in the middle of what's hopeless. I'm looking for joy. I, I'm not even looking for it. I'm living in it. The joy of the Lord in the middle of, of what seems painful. Because he's my greatest reality. He's my greatest reality. He's my first love. And so when we walk in this thing of, of knowing the love of God and, and walking in this love of God, it changes everything. So 1 John 5, 3. Uh, for this is the love of God that we keep. Everybody say keep. His commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. That word means heavy, forceful, grievous, oppressive. His commandments are not like, oh, he's been, this is so forceful. I just want freedom. People who quote freedom, grace, mercy, love, and they distort it to where they mean, what they mean by it is, is a kind of freedom or a kind of love or a kind of grace that excuses you from your responsibility to walk in obedience to God. That's a false freedom. It's a false love. And it's a false grace. God loves you on the day you fail. And what you need to remind yourself right after your greatest failure is, he loves me. Now you start loving him and walk it out. But this is, how, this is, this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And, and, and if you look at John chapter 15, matter of fact, just go over there in, in your Bible. Go to John chapter 15, make a left. And I want to share just a couple things with you. Oh, I love hearing those Bible pages turn. You sound biblical at least. It's really good. John chapter 15, and let's just look down in verse 5. And I won't read all of this. You can read this whole chapter later. It's amazing. 
John 15, look at verse 5. Jesus says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, say abide. He who abides in me and I in him. Notice a twofold relationship there. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them up and throw them into, into the fire and they're burned up. Now that does not mean the fires of hell right there. What he's talking about is without Without, if you're not connected to the vine, so if you're doing your family, if you're doing your business, if you're doing your life, if you're trying to build something apart from Jesus without abiding in Jesus, then what you're doing will amount to nothing. You can gain the whole world, lose your own soul. And so what you're doing is going to, the, the worth and the value, it's going to be sticks gathered up and thrown into the fire. It's nothing that will bear fruit. It won't bear fruit. And it won't have fruit that remains eternal fruit. You might impress somebody else with your stick. For real, that's about as silly as it gets. My stick's bigger than your stick. And you think you're building something, but you're not releasing fruit. That remains. And, and so in this, in this reality, he's, he's teaching, teaching about this. And, and skip down to verse 7. If you abide in me and my words, my words, my words abide in you. You say, well, pastor, how does that happen? Same way that song abides in you. Same way you can remember that movie and the phrases from that movie. Same way you, you remember all these other things that you remember because the words abide in you. The lyrics, the whatever, they abide in you because they're meaningful to you. And now you have to let his word abide in you and make that a priority in your life. So when my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. Now look at this. This is incredible. Verse 9. As the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. He did not say abide in love. I'm telling you one of the greatest dangers we face right now in this culture is a redefining of love. There are people who love to speak the truth and they speak it without love. There are people who love to love, but they do it without truth. And they try, and I'm telling you, there's a danger in being in slipping and being deceived into the church, awakening to or descending to a faulty, lesser kind of love. But there is no love for humanity greater than God so loved the world that he gave his only son. There's nothing you can give. There's nothing the government can give. There's nothing, there's nothing, listen to me, there is nothing socialism could give. There is nothing capitalism can give. There is nothing that any human entity on planet earth could give that is greater love than Jesus. 
That is the greatest gift. Now, people who hate Jesus, people who don't believe in Jesus, don't see it that way. But we are the people of God. We are disciples of Christ. So we can't leave the greatest gift given, motivated by love. We can't leave that and come down to a lesser reality and try to give some people something from our government or give some people something from, from our our. our whatever uh, mentality that we think we think we have evolved to a place of we are better than any other generation and we have come to a place in our society where we have something great to give the greatest thing we have to give is Jesus and his realities his truth his peace his joy but we have a church and generations within a church that don't see the greatest commitment they could ever give their life to is Christ. Because we've lost our first love. And the one thing I celebrate about some of these younger generations, and I say generations because I don't think, it, the, I don't, you know, it's like two or three generations below me now because somebody's over 50. But the reality is, and by the way, that was so funny a few weeks ago. I thank you for all your generosity. I had two groups of people come up to me. One saying, 50's old. And the ones who are laughing who came up to me and said, 50, you're just getting started. So funny, the perspective that's different. You know, like some people are looking at me like I'm a mummy or something. Like, you're 50. Are you okay? Like, and others are like looking at me like I'm still in diapers. It's just funny, the perspective. So age is nothing but a number. It's really as perspective. And so my, my point is there's the younger generation that they don't want to do something without the integrity of a passionate love. And some of our loveless Christian lives that have no passion but routine will not satisfy the next generation. And we need to be ignited. We need to be put on fire. And... And so he goes on to say in this, he said, verse, I'm going to read verse 9 again. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Okay, so how do I do that? If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy, so now we're talking about love and joy, will remain or abide in you and that your joy may be full. So when you're struggling with depression, you need joy. You don't just need joy, you need the joy of the Lord. When you're struggling with not being when you're struggling with rejection and feeling like you've been mistreated or you've been abandoned, you feel unloved. What do you need? The love of God, not the love of some some guy or some girl. You need the love of God. You need the joy of the Lord. And in and, and, and walking that stuff, how do, I, how do I abide? How do I abide in the love of God? How do I remain when I'm feeling pulled to go to look for love in all the wrong places? How do I remain in the love of God and not go into the love of addiction or to the love of, of lust or to the love of greed or to the love of success or to the love of any other kind of love that's in this world? How do I remain in the love of God? By abiding in, in his word, by keeping his commandments. Not, not being like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to keep his commandments. I'm going to force myself because this is what God wants me to do. No, by keeping his commandments with a love, with obedience motivated by love. God, I love you. My flesh wants this, but I want you. 
And it's okay to say, my flesh wants this. It's okay to say, I'm struggling with this. It's okay, but I want you, God. I want you more. It's okay to say I love Chick-fil-A, but I love you more. I love you more. And if you fail, recognize it for what it is. In that moment, in that season, your mindset was you put something else first. And see, sometimes it's not even an evil thing. You put something that's supposed to be second, you put it first, and it's, it needs to be second. And you just remember, Lord, I, I love you. I love you more. And that word abide right there, it's remain. That word abide is remain, wait, continue, and dwell. And so I was thinking about this. I love playing with words sometimes. I don't really spell great, but I love playing with words. And the word wait is something like people who are very talkative, like I don't know who you, comes to mind. But people who are very talkative, there's a thing that I do. I say, I say, why? ask yourself the word wait. Why am I talking? You're a very talkative person. Sarah sometimes tells me, you know, it's like, wait, why am I talking? I don't know. I'm just talking. Do, you, do I need a reason to talk? No, I just talk. I just keep talking. Wait, Pastor John. Why are you talking? Consider that question. Help everybody out. But another thing you can do with wait is, is look at this. Why am I tempted? Ask yourself, why am I tempted by this? Why is this a temptation to me? What area in my life, what perceived lack do I have that is causing this thing to be a temptation? What The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. So if I'm walking in the love of God, I do not walk in lack. So if I'm walking in an in a, in a ungodly passion and love and desire for something that's tempting me, why is this a temptation? Because the very, see, sometimes we face temptation like this. We look at temptation and, and it's like, oh my gosh, I really want that. Like nobody, nobody would say no to that. But because, because I'm not supposed to do that, I really want it, but I can't have it. And that's a lie. What you need to tell yourself is my flesh wants it but I don't want it and not I can't have it but I don't want it why don't I want it because I love Jesus more I love his joy I love his peace I love I love his goodness and glory in my life so I loved that in my past but I don't love it now because I have a greater love in my life that is Jesus so I have to ask myself, what is happening within me? Why is that a temptation for me? Because what may be a temptation for me is not a temptation for you. And vice versa. So somebody in your world, some disciple of Christ in your proximity, I guarantee you, is walking in victory over what you're struggling with. And you need to start this thing as, why am I tempted? Another thing you, you could go to is, who am I trusting? When you start going down a road, you, you start descending. You start descending, going down to something stupid, going down to something unwise. Who am I trusting? Am I trusting myself? Am I trusting public opinion? Who am I trusting? This is just a fun one. I like, why am I tripping? 
Notice it's not why are you tripping. That's not how you spell wait. You'd like, wait, wait. Pastor John, why are you tripping, man? Why, why, are, you, why are you triggered? Why is this triggering for you? You are not a victim to the triggering circumstances. You ask yourself, why, why am I triggered? And you, then you begin to walk in love. And listen, I just, you know what? I, I want to I focus in on that for a second. I'm not even going to get done with this sermon. I'm not going to get done with this sermon. So the back side of your notes is going to be the front side next week. You can try to answer them. Try to answer them. See if you got them. Worship team, go ahead and come on up. I want to do something. And we're going to have to be flexible. I do, I do create notes and do all that kind of stuff. I'm going to keep you know, doing that because I think it's really good. But I promise you, you want your pastor to stay flexible. And I feel like the Holy Spirit is wanting to ignite some flames in some people. But you have to be willing to burn. You have to be willing to come close to the flame. You have to be willing to search your heart, to look into your heart. Are you just going through the motions? Are you here in this room because of somebody else? Or are you here because you want to be here? Are you actively seeking the Lord? Are you actively saying, God, I want to draw near to you. I want to abide and remain in your love. Because it's not that we first loved him. He first loved us. I think of this. I think of, of Peter, who after he failed, he denied the Lord three times. This is all in John chapter 21. I think of this and, and Jesus restoring him, restoring him from his failure, restoring him from being deceived, restoring him from being selfish. Do you remember the question that he asked him? He said, Peter. Jesus looked at him over breakfast, over a fish breakfast and said, Peter, do you love me more than these? And the these could have been the fish, the these could have been the other disciples, the these could have been a number of different things. Do you love me more than these? I don't know what your these is. Do you love me more than them? Do you love me more than that? Do you love me more than, than, than this? Do you love me more than, than they? Do, do, do you love me? And it's a vital question that Jesus is asking. And he's not asking from a forceful, oppressive um, way. He's saying, do you love me? From a place of love, he's saying, do you love me? He's not saying, I command you to love me. I command you to love me. That's forceful. That's an unhealthy understanding of the fear of God. See, the fear of God truly works in the love of God. And I believe the Holy Spirit is saying through, or Jesus saying through His Spirit is, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these? I don't know what the these are in your life. Maybe it's pills. Maybe it's porn. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's cigarettes. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's attention. Maybe it's, it's fame. Maybe it's just yourself. Maybe it's a political party. Maybe it's a nation. Maybe it's some agenda. All those things can be great seconds, thirds, and fourths. 
But do you love me more than these? And Peter, in faith, I believe he was speaking in faith, he just said, yes, Lord, I love you. And I don't have time to teach all that because there's so much in that. But he was like, yes, Lord, you know, you know that I love you. And then Jesus says, okay, feed my lambs. So the love for Jesus, Jesus asking, do you love me? In the mind of Jesus was always connected to an action, was always connected to a purpose, was always connected to a calling. Do you love me? It's like, it's like he's saying, he said, I have a calling for you. I want you to feed and I want you to lead and, and, I'm gonna, and you're going to change the world. But the first question I have before you go off on this calling is, do you love me? me because one of the scariest places to be is to fall in love with your calling and your gifting more than your creator and if you ever love the calling or the gifting or the accolades and the praise more than you love the one who brought you out of the pit set your feet upon a rock redeemed you changed you for a glorious purpose and I'm telling you the thing that we have to guard the thing we have to guard is our first love and next week we'll unpack some first works but it's that first love it's that first love of God I love you you saved me you saved me God I was hopeless I didn't have anybody Caitlin and I used to sing when she was a little kid because I taught her how to sing. We... Remember that, that, that song, Can't Nobody? And I can't sing it. Well, she could probably sing it and all that kind of stuff, but it's Can't Nobody, you know, do me like Jesus. We used to say, Can't Nobody love me like Jesus. And when you begin to open, just open, just open, when you begin to open, See, it's not your it's not your job to it's not your job to create it. It's your job to come. It's not your job to cook it up. It's your job to come to the table. And anybody in this room who says, "I'm hungry for God's love." I don't care if you've walked with him for years. And I don't care if it's the first, it's the, if you've been stumbling or slowly descending. If you're here and you say, this is me, Pastor John, I need, I need to be reignited in the love of God. I want you to come join me right up here. And if you're thinking, if your first thought was, well, what's somebody else going to think? You've already been lied to. Do what you need to do. Do what's right for you. Who cares about what anybody else is deciding? You do what you need to do. And what I want you to do as, you, as you're coming, and I want you to put your focus on me. What I want you to do in just a minute, I'm going to pray. And I want you to just begin to just worship the Lord and magnify the Lord. Put your focus on Him. I want you to the best of your ability whatever it looks like for you, to just open, just, just open to the Lord. Just step in and just thank Him and just praise Him. Just lean in and just let go of stuff. If you need to let go of stuff, just lean into the love of God and put your focus on Him and worship Him.
Thanks again for listening to the Faith Center podcast. To connect with us, go to faithcenter.tv and fill out our connection card. We pray blessings over you and your family. We'll see you next time.